Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Welcome back, Shalligators. Well, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about change and transition, right? Whether you're a recent grad and you're moving into the world, whether you're watching your friends take these major life steps, getting engaged or having a baby or getting a promotion, and you're just ugh, twisted about it. So I kind of want to continue with that theme a little bit this week, because what I have gotten overwhelmingly from you guys recently, maybe because it's summer and it is literally a change of seasons, both, you know, outside and, you know, like I said, people are graduating, people are moving, taking big steps in the summer. Maybe it's just a season of change overall, emotionally or experientially. I want to talk about friends growing apart, not just growing apart, but kind of, sort of ghosting. I'm going to talk about my recent experience because in the last two weeks, I have had three friends, none of whom live here in Bozeman. Like, they're not my, you know, day-to-day -day friends that I see in real life. They're my friends from different other times in my life who I love, who are my best friends. But they've all said, you're not doing enough as my friend. You're not giving me enough. And I want to tear my fucking hair out. So this is, in a way, a villain story. I am going to tell you <laughs> why friends ghost. Because when I look at the reality of the situation, yeah, they're not really wrong in terms of how I've been behaving and how out of touch I've been. But it doesn't mean that I don't have my reasons. And look, it's very easy for us to do exactly this, to paint somebody in a dynamic as the villain. And guess the fuck what? It's usually never us, right? I mean, we're not like, I'm the bad guy. No, especially when our feelings are hurt. And certainly when someone has ghosted us, which is very painful, or seriously downshifted communication or interaction, of course we want to point the finger and be like, look what they're doing. They're hurting me. But hey, we kind of got to understand what's going on. The worst thing an army can do is underestimate their opponent, right? We talk a lot about war. You know, I love it. And we see this, I mean, we see this in politics. Oh, Republicans are flat earthers. Oh, liberals are just like woke fucks. Like we see everyone painting everyone else with a very broad brush. And all it does is further the divide. Now, who gives a shit about politics? I care about the real life relationships you guys are dealing with. And if we go into interactions viewing one person as this angel and one person as the devil, it's only going to increase that divide. And it's going to make everyone feel worse. So look, I'm going to tell you why I've been doing this. And so if you're dealing with this, Hopefully this is going to give you a little bit of insight because I wish I could say just some one tidy little encapsulating phrase like it has nothing to do with you, but it kind of might, but not a hundred percent. I would say that there is a spectrum of blame about why people pull away from us. And even if you're not dealing with this in terms of friendships, I bet you've dealt with it with boys. So while I'm saying all of these things, I want you to kind of keep in mind that this is how guys feel. When we nag them, when we send 3,000 words via text about everything they're not doing and everything they're not giving in these conversations, this is how guys feel. And this is what creates the outcomes that we don't like. The ghosting, the pulling back, the situationships, the letting us down. 
Where is it all coming from? I'm going to tell you. We're going to get into it. Because maybe you're sort of on my side of things and you're like, I don't know how to communicate to somebody else that I just can't be what they need. I'm going to give you a script for that as well. But before we get into it, if you want some one-on-one help with me, head to my website, challenlesser.com, or go ahead and click the link down in the show notes. And you can submit a question. I answer all of them. And I can get back to you in just 24 hours if that's easier. Also, please consider donating to our fundraiser this month. It is called Kids Saving the Rainforest. It's an animal rescue and rehab hospital in Costa Rica where we just went on our shalligator getaway. $10 can feed a baby animal for a week. Every dollar goes to this little organization. I mean, they've been around for 30 years. I had the chance to visit in real life firsthand and see everything that they're doing. And it really... They are just so driven by love. And we really, I mean, seven, ten bucks, that's like a latte, right? Lattes are so expensive, especially if you get oat milk. What a nightmare. So if you can forego one little thing, you could really give an animal the chance to live and survive. And how wonderful it would be to be a miracle in another creature's life. Isn't that great? Okay, let's talk about, not miracles, but villains, me. Like I said, three friends have come out of the woodwork. I just feel like I don't talk to you enough. I don't feel like you text me back enough. I feel like I need you and you're not there for me. I don't know if you've ever had someone say this to you. But the reason they say it, I mean, it's obvious the reaction they want, you know, obviously. Like, and, you know, I am not saying this with any sort of, like, snideness towards my friends. I appreciate that they're telling me how they feel. And I know it's difficult to be that transparent, for sure. So I'm never going to react angrily or defensively in the moment. Will I react that way internally? Yes, of course, absolutely. So I appreciate their honesty, but have you ever had someone say this to you? You're not giving me enough. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe it was your mom saying, you're not doing enough around the house. Okay. Maybe it was that friend who's gone through her 10 trillionth breakup with the same fucking guy. It's like, I feel like you're not even listening when I'm talking about Connor. Maybe it's a boyfriend who's like, why do you always have to go to book club or dance class or this? Like, why can't you just stay home with me? I don't know about you, but the response they want is, oh my God, let me drop everything. You are totally right. Whatever I have, time, money, sex, it now belongs to you. Let me turn over all of my property as a human being over to you. What do you need from me? That's the response everyone wants, right? I mean, when I've said that to people, (laughs) you know, if I'm being honest, like, yeah, I want total capitulation and total ownership. And when someone says it to me, I go into war mode. I become so incredibly angry, so incredibly prickly, Again, I work really hard not to show this outwardly, but inwardly, that's exactly how I feel. And more than anything, I retreat. My grandmother used to be like this. I would call her. It doesn't matter if I would call her every day. Well, look who it is. Didn't know you were still alive. Thought you'd forgotten about us. It was just like, no matter what I did, it wasn't enough. And maybe she was sort of saying it in jest, but I mean, probably not. And All it made me want to do is never call her. It's like, okay, I could call her every single day or every single week at this appointed time or whatever. It's never going to be enough. So why am I doing this to myself? If I'm going to be in this emotional jail, no matter what, why even try? If I'm guilty just from the jump, what is the point? 
That is the effect that kind of statement has on human beings. And I bring this up because not only have my friends been like, you're not giving me enough, is I hear this from you guys. When we were on our Shalligator getaway to Costa Rica, one of the chickadees, you know, she was talking about how hurt she was that a chick who's been her best friend for like 20 years didn't put her in her wedding. She's like, I got invited, but I'm not a bridesmaid. I'm not the maid of honor. Like, I feel like such an afterthought. And at first I was like, yeah, fuck that bitch. And then I'm like, Shallon, wait a minute. Hold on. You're, you need to be able to see the nuances. And I'm like, okay, I've been engaged and it's awful. And it's, it's made more awful by people thinking it's supposed to be the greatest time of your life. It's the most stressful, expensive, pressure-filled, confusing. It's a nightmare. Who the hell knows how to plan a wedding? I don't. It's not like a chip that activates inside me when a ring slips on my finger. I had to learn all of these things in real time. No matter what I did, I felt like I was disappointing someone. Oh, my mom wants it like that, but his mom wants this and blah, blah, blah. It's, did I mention expensive? You know, like you're not in celebration mode. You're like, I need to eat ramen for the next nine months because we're throwing a party that costs $10,000 an hour. And I'm like, her putting these other girls in the bridal party, the people I put in my bridal party are actually who I should have put in my bridal party should have been like married women because they know the machine. They've been through it. I mean, it was a good mix in mine, which I think was fine. But I'm like, you know, Rachel, you haven't been through the wedding machine. And also, she might assume you don't want to do this. It's also expensive. It's a headache. It's time consuming. You don't know what you're doing if you're in the bridal party. Like some people I didn't put in mine, I viewed it as like, oh, I'm sparing you <laughs> this like horrible hellscape. One of my friends was like, I can't believe you didn't make me a bridesmaid. I'm like, Chelsea, you just got a new job. You know, you are not making a ton of money. Like, I'm I'm trying to help you. Like, I didn't want you to feel put upon and burdened by this, you know? Like, Jesus. And I said, and also, to the shalligator who's telling me this, I'm like, it just might not have anything to do with you. But it might. And so it warrants a conversation. But if you go to her and say, hey, you didn't do this. You're not giving me enough. She is already in such a stress state. She is going to wash her hands of you completely. She will, because it's fight or flight, right? She doesn't have the bandwidth to fight, which is interpreted as, oh, like, tell me your point of view. What do you need? Oh, what can I do? She's gonna be like, then fuck you, right? That could be a very likely outcome. And you don't wanna do that. You don't wanna kind of poke that hornet's nest. Or maybe she's like, yeah, you know, I didn't put you in here because you're unreliable or I don't think you like my fiance. I mean, maybe there is a reason underneath there. Or maybe it's, hey, I didn't think you'd even want to do it. Like, I thought I was kind of dodging you a bullet, but okay. But I was sure to say, what you absolutely can't do is go in there acting like she owes you something. She doesn't. If you get nothing else out of this episode, hear this. Your friends don't owe you anything. <laughs> what shall I? I don't think, um, no, because when she was on the floor crying about Connor, I was over there. I skipped my dance class. I didn't study for my midterms. Whose decision was that? That was yours. Think about when we lend someone money or we pick up the check at dinner, right? 
When we pick up the tab at dinner and we really don't have the money for that, holy shit, are we clocking every single thing from then on? It's like, oh, well, we went to frozen yogurt and Kristen could have bought my froyo, but she didn't. Even though I paid for her martinis, we're keeping score because we can't afford to be doing that thing in the first place. But when you have enough money, it's like, oh, I got lunch. Don't worry. Yeah, get, get the drinks tonight at the bar. It all evens out, right? We're so much more elastic. There's not that pressure there. And therefore, there isn't this gamesmanship, this scorekeeping. Same with emotions. When I think about my friends who I'm like, you owe me something. It is when I have gone into an emotional debt to be there for them. I'm so tired. I just want to turn my phone off and go to sleep. But they're in a crisis. So I'm going to pull up and be there for them. I really wanted to just have a relaxing day by the pool, but they need something like I have to pick them up from the airport and I really don't want to. It's basically because you aren't respecting your own boundaries. If you've even bothered to set them. Well, and I'm not saying that I'm not like saying that to chirp you. Like we, we talk a lot about boundaries. How many times have you ever sat down with a pen and paper and written boundaries down? Probably never, right? We think we have them in our mind. We don't. What we have is retroactive fence building when the army is already coming over the hill. Oh shit, I don't like where this seems like it's going to go. Fuck, let me put up a boundary real quick. And then, oh my God, you breached the boundary. Oh, the one you made two minutes ago? Or the one you've had this whole time that you've been micro-enforcing? Everyone knows this about you. No, not that. No, it's not that. I mean, that's what I've spent most of my life doing. So you probably have too. So again, When we feel like our friends owe us something, it's because we have gone into a debt to be there for them. And if you have a friend who makes you feel like that's what you have to do in order to be considered a good friend, then fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. I have a friend like this. She's one of the ones who told me I'm not giving her enough. She will text me. It is like clockwork, 1130 p.m. I go to bed by like 10, 30, 11. Like by 1130, I am winding down. I'm laying in bed. I've said goodnight to the dog. And I get a 500 word text about the most inane things you can imagine, but sometimes not inane, which is worse because then it requires emotion from me. And I'm like, why are you texting me in the middle of the night? Like, I don't want to do this. And she makes me feel like a bad friend if I'm not responding. And I'll be like, okay, I love you. I'm going to bed. My ambience kicking in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Well, let me just say one more thing, or it's about politics or it's, It's just, I don't give a fuck what it's about. It's 1130. I don't want to talk about anything. I don't want to talk about anything. And see how gassed up I am? It's because I never set that boundary. If I chronically didn't respond to texts after 10, or if I just put it out there to my friends, hey guys, like I'm going to be getting up super early for Pilates every day. So I'm in bed by 10. So if you text me after that, I'll get back to you in the morning. I never said that. So ostensibly, she feels like, I owe her a response because she didn't know there's a fence there. Let's get back to this idea that our friends owe us something. They don't, girl. They don't. Where in the contract does it say your friend needs to respond to every single text, no matter what time of day, they need to be there for you in real life, like they need to do all these things. Oh, wait, wait a minute. You didn't, you didn't sign a contract? Oh, wait, friendships don't have signed, notarized, witnessed, documented contracts? Wait a minute, they're based on mutual wanting to be there? Huh. Well, then the concept of owing 
you are required to do this, is it maybe a little one-sided? And when people get that idea that they are required to do something, that the friendship isn't, hey, it's elastic. I understand you're doing your thing. I'm doing mine. If I don't hit you back right away, it's all good. You know, I trust in the elasticity. And basically, I trust that you care about me. So if it takes you a few days, great. I'm respectful of what you have going on, whether it's kids or whatever. Is that not a two-way street? I mean, do you feel that way about your friends? No, they need to get back to me right away. Why? Well, I need them. Okay, I get that. I'm not talking about like the odd crisis moment. You know, I got broken up with, I got fired, whatever. If this is your, and, and be honest with yourself, you really need to be honest with yourself. What do your friends have to live up to? Like, what do you deem a friend? And is their definition of that the same? One thing that I had to tell to a friend who's like, you're not giving me enough. I said, I know how this is going to sound. You have no idea how many friends I have. Okay. You have no idea the emotional payload that is required of me on a day-to-day basis. She doesn't have a lot of friends and that's not my fault. That is not something I have to fix. That is not something I have to pick up the slack for. You know, if she has 10 different emotional needs, but she only has two friends, she needs to make eight more friends. And look, I do know how that sounds. I have so many friends. But you have so many fill in the blank. Maybe it's not friends. Maybe it's units that you're taking. Maybe it's pets you have to take care of, family members you have to attend to, workout classes, extracurriculars. Maybe it's none of those things. And maybe the thing you have a lot of is needs for you to fulfill yourself. Maybe it's, hey, I'm dealing with a lot of alone time that I need. Hey, I'm dealing with a lot of mindfulness and presence. That's another issue, which is a big thing I wanted to talk about. Seasons. I live in Montana now. And for obviously you guys know I lived in New York City for I mean my entire adult life. And I was very fragmented. You know the city's such a hectic place like where our brains are scattered everywhere. And a huge appeal of Montana was how present everyone is. People aren't on their phones all the time. They're not photographing their lunch. They're not tweeting and texting and clout. They're just so present. They're so focused. They're so IRL. And I really had been needing that in my life. And so when I'm here and when I'm with my friends, I want to just be focused on my life here. It doesn't mean that I don't care about my other friends. It means I'm just trying to be present. And I had one of these friends say to me, I feel like it's out of sight, out of mind with your New York friends. And that really hurt me so much because that's, you know, when I lived in the city or anywhere and, you know, you have a friend move away, that's what we're all afraid of. Like, oh, I was just like a geographical friend for you. You know, you were only friends with me because we sat next to each other. We lived in the same neighborhood or our boyfriends or friends or whatever, but you didn't actually like me. And so it hurt me that they were interpreting my new behaviors and my new communication pattern as out of sight, out of mind. But also, I mean, they're kind of right. And that sounds horrible to say. I told you, this is the villain story. I'm a villain. It is kind of like, not out of sight, out of mind, like I don't care, but more of, I just want to be present here. I want to build a life here. And maybe that does come across as, oh, you've just forgotten about everyone if you don't see them every day. I mean, maybe that's true. 
Let's say that that's totally true and that I am that kind of person and that your friend that you might be dealing with is that way too. Out of sight, out of mind. Do you think it's helpful to go to them and be like, you need to give me more? It isn't. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, but that's how I feel. Who fucking cares? Who cares how you feel? It's not about how you feel. It's about how you communicate. That can be how you feel. How are you communicating that? If you're coming to someone who, as we established, doesn't actually owe you anything. They don't. I mean, our friendships are wonderful to have, but as I get older, life gets busier. People have husbands, they have kids, their jobs are busier, their cars are more complex even, you know? It's like, I get that people's schedule, they don't revolve around me or brunch or happy hour. Like, there's more factors to consider. And so I have lessened my definition of a friend, and I've added in more friends. I don't expect people to drop everything for me. If they do, that's fantastic. But it's no longer an expectation. And when I was younger, honestly, it was. It absolutely was. But once I made that shift and I'm like, okay, if they can drop everything, great. If not, here's the difference. Instead of being like, fuck you, Christine, I'm like, Shallon, you can figure this out yourself. You're going to have to pick yourself up off the floor. You're going to have to give yourself a pep talk. You're going to have to be a little warm-blooded. It's great if the environment pulls up and all our friends are here and they're doing all that work for us. That isn't actually their job. Is it my job to be that for her? To, like, bridge the gap between her emotions and where she's going to be? She gets fired. She can't even, like, pull herself out of this tailspin. I have to do all that work for her? I mean, no. Why, Why is that the price of admission on a friendship? If we can dial that down, ironically, we have a better chance of finding friends who drop everything for us. People are much more willing to pull up for us if it's a choice and not an obligation, right? Who the fuck wants to feel obligated? Another thing on my list. Because obligation, so much of the time with people, like I was saying about my grandmother, it's never enough. It's never, ever enough. My friend who texted me at 1130, I could have pulled up 30 screenshots being like, here are all the times I have talked to you for 45 goddamn minutes at night about nothing. So don't you tell me I don't do anything for you, You, right? It could have become this weird, sad friendship pissing contest. But that really doesn't get anyone anywhere, right? If we get into that gamesmanship, I mean, the friendship's dead in the water. It's dead in the water. So the way we can head that off is by pulling back and just being a little bit more elastic and acknowledging seasons. Seasons. I've had friends where we talk all the time, all the time, all the time. And then, you know, they move, they get a new job, blah, blah, blah. And I have enough grace. I mean, it's, of course, the hard way. I wasn't like born this way. I was like, fuck. To be like, okay, they're in a different season. And maybe I'm going to be in that season. And I use that word season and some people hate it, but too bad. I use it for a very specific reason. First of all, seasons are always longer than we want them to be, right? Like, ugh, winter again, another day of this. We cannot control them, right? We can't magically make it winter to summer. But the third thing we absolutely know about seasons is that they do change. This isn't Narnia. Winter doesn't last forever. Seasons do change. And if they don't, okay, that's data. We do have a friend who's the out of sight, out of mind thing. Her season is you know, lasting, this is the new normal. Do I want to still make room for this friendship or not? But confronting someone and being like, you aren't enough 
is going to, it's just going to have such an opposite effect. It really is. If you're kind of on my side, maybe you're the one who's being put upon and you're just like, stop fucking asking me for things, okay? You have no idea the pressure I'm under. You have no idea maybe the mental space I'm in, you know? And for you to come to me saying you're not doing enough for me is repellent. It is absolutely repellent. I could block your number with a stroke of my thumb and I would never have to deal with you again. Now, hold on, hold on. Before we get into what to say to somebody, Remember when I said in the beginning, we're going to template this in terms of guys? Yeah. Here's the icky portion of this podcast. Now that we have established the coming to someone and being like, you owe me this, right? Essentially, that's the subtext. You owe me X, Y, and Z. I'm not getting enough. You need to do better. How off-putting, how defensive, you know, that makes us pretty spiky and angry and defensive. And how also unwarranted it is. Oh, you what? Based on what? What commitment did I make to you? Where in the bylaws was this? Is it notarized? What's going on? Think about what it's like when we do this to boys. Think about what it's like. One thing I said to one of these friends. Well, no, I didn't say it because I'm a coward. But what I wanted to say was, (laughs) Megan, I have told you a year ago that I'm trying to be present in Montana and be on my phone less so it takes me longer to get back to people. I have told you my workload has tripled and I barely have time to breathe. I have also demonstrated these things. I don't get back to you as often. I'm very stressed about work. And you have chosen to ignore this. I have told you, I have shown you that I cannot be the level of friend you, for some reason, decided you're entitled to. And it is a decision you just seem to arbitrarily make. You didn't consult me in this. You didn't say, hey, can you meet X, Y, and Z? Can you be this kind of friend to me? I never said that. I never agreed to this. And quite frankly, I never even have been, right? I have told you all of these things. You have all this data that Shallon is not going to be the kind of friend that I feel entitled to. And yet here you are asking me if I can be the kind of friend you feel entitled to. Let's go back to boys. When we have a situationship or a fuck boy and we're like, you don't text me back fast enough. You just like, it's like you don't even want to hang out with me. It's like you never even make plans. That's right. You accidentally arrived at the exact right conclusion. He is showing you. He might even be telling you, I'm not looking for something serious. I'm just really stressed with work. I'm not over max. Fill in the motherfucking blank. He is showing you and probably telling you he is not going to be what you feel entitled to not going to be what you want. And if you're being honest with yourself, when did he ever say those things? And you know what? Maybe he did. Maybe things started out great and he's tapered off. But look at friendships. Yeah, maybe when we were both in Gamma Phi together, we were talking constantly and hanging out. Now you live in Cincinnati. I live in Austin. I'm not, we're not just going to be day to day, like knowing all the ins and outs of each other's lives like that. Like things have to evolve. I cannot be who I used to be. Either because it's not feasible Or honestly, it's because I don't want to. I don't want to. I get back to people I want to get back to. I have long conversations with people I want to talk to for a long time. Same with guys. 
yeah, he might be stressed, oh, this and that. He's going to go out of his way, as I do with my friends, to avoid having to say, I literally don't want to be around you that much. I don't want to talk to you constantly. I find this boring, stressful. I feel trapped, oppressive. None of these things are fun and sexy for me. Get the fucking hint. I am telling you this a million different times. I am showing it to you. I don't know what else to do except for ghost. I'm not saying it's your fault when people ghost you. Well, I am kind of saying that. It is not always your fault when people ghost you, but it like might be sometimes. If any of this is kicking something up for you, and look, this kind of podcast, it's a slow burn. You're going to listen to it. You're going to be like, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's okay. This doesn't have to wash over you like a wave. And you're like, she's right. I've been an asshole. Just kind of file it away. Like put it in like the soil of your mind and see if seeds start to sprout. And if something pops up and it's like, oh, I do sort of feel entitled to Kristen's time. And yes, maybe that fuck boy has been demonstrating the fact that he's never going to commit to me. And he's really only going to be the 2 a.m. you up kind of guy, you know, and maybe instead of trying to affect that outcome through guilt and demands, I should just look for someone who can give me those things or find ways to give them to myself. All right? That's what I want you to do. Because when we can see that, like, this dynamic happens all the time, it, like I said, it happens with our friends. You don't give me what I need, daughter, sister, brother, whatever. It happens with boys. It happens with friends. We need to learn how to manage this. We need to learn if we're on the side where we don't feel like we're getting enough. To, we need to learn how to read between the lines, read those signs and be like, oh, okay. They're not just going to straight up say to me, I don't want to talk to you this much because you bore me. I have nothing to say to you. You have nothing to say to me, really. I don't need this performative day to day. Like I got a text. I got a text from a friend the other day. Do you want to know what it said? LOL. Milk is crazy. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. LOL. Milk is crazy. She was furious. I didn't respond. I, you guys, I almost lost it. You guys, I almost lost it. I, I was, oh, I was so stressed about work. I'd like cried that day. Like, I just wanted to be like, how fucking dare you expect something from me? Who the fuck do you think you are? I was livid. I'm still livid. Milk is crazy. What? I, I don't even, oh my God, I don't even have words for it. It's, I, you know what? I say I don't have words for it. Of course I do. I have words for everything. Now I want to talk about if you're on my side, getting milk is crazy texts or whatever they are. I'll tell you what I told to one of my friends who's like, I don't feel like I get enough time with you. And I said, you have no idea how many people I have to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. You don't. Like, forget my actual friends that I'm trying to keep up with. I talk to you guys. I talk to my shalligators, you know? I'm on group chats. I'm on the Reddit thread. I'm answering your questions. Like, I'm looking at comments. Like, none of those seem huge. And individually, they're not. You add them all up, and it's like, it's a lot of energy expenditure. I'm not saying this to feel sorry for myself. I'm not taking a victim narrative. That is just the way it is. I'm saying it to explain where I'm coming from, right? 
And I said to her, I need you to manage expectations. That is going to be the key. I can no longer be the friend who does X, Y, and Z. I am the friend now who can do X and maybe a little Y sometimes, but maybe not. I would rather keep the bar low and have you not be disappointed, but we must redefine the nature of our association for both of our sakes, because I'm feeling put upon, which makes me literally just not want to talk to you anymore, ghosting, and you're feeling like you're not getting your needs met. So neither one of us have realistic expectations for this. I have an expectation lower. You have one that's higher. Okay. So let's see if we can come together someplace in the middle. She didn't like to hear that, but it had to be said. And, you know, she did take a while. She's like, okay, like, I just want to know that it's not personal. And I'm like, it's not personal, but it's becoming personal because I feel like no matter what I do, it's not enough. I get this guilt trip. And I mean... It just makes me want to shut down. And that's, I'm an avoidant attachment person. Like I will shut down. And I, I've blocked my friends before. I mean, good friends. I'll block them for like two weeks, like micro block. Like I need you to leave me alone for two weeks. I don't want to hear about milk. I don't want to hear about, you know, the garbage man at your apartment complex. I don't want to hear about this shit. You have something relevant to say, great, come to me. Fine. If not, leave me alone. So maybe that's the script. I love you. You are one of my, my besties. You are a sister to me. But the season I'm in right now is full of blank. It's full of me trying to be present where I am and, and really put down roots here in this new town. It's full of me studying for the MCAT. It's full of me dealing with my mom. You know, that takes up a lot of bandwidth. I live at home now. I haven't been living at home for four years. I mean, there's something to be said for you don't owe anyone an explanation. But, and you don't, you don't. You know, we're talking about contracts and bylaws. There's no contract that says you owe people this information, but in service of ameliorating their feelings and taking it so personally, I don't think it hurts to be like, this is actually what's going on. But what if it is personal? What if it's, I don't want to deal with you anymore. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have even brought that up because I don't know that I have an answer. I mean, you, you can say, it's like, look, you know, I feel like our conversations are one-sided. I feel like you text me at times when I've told you I either am tired or I don't have the time and then you get mad. You know, I don't feel like you ask about me. I feel like we have the same repetitive conversations over and over again. You bring up politics that I told you I don't want to talk about. Like, if you have something, tell them. You know, when we get ghosted, like by a guy, isn't our thought, mine is always like, what did I do? What did, what did I do? Was it one text? Was it one drunken night? Like, what was it that was just like enough? That was the nail in the coffin. Is it something that I did once or do chronically? Just tell me and I will stop doing it. You know, like whatever that thing is, it's not worth losing you. So maybe we can give that to somebody else. It's like, hey, I would talk to you more if you didn't do fill in the blank. If you weren't constantly talking about these people from work, I don't know who these people are. And frankly, I love you. I don't want to know. I want to know your feelings, how you're feeling. I feel self-actualized. I feel anxious. Like, I don't need to know the ins and outs of who did what in this presentation and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's a really hard thing for us to come out and say, I can't give you what you need. And it's even harder if we realize I can't give you what you need because like, I just don't have the capability. Because again, we love a victim and a hero, right? We love a villain and a hero. It's like, I can't give you what you need because I don't have the bandwidth to keep up with like the who's who of your 
graphic design company. I don't care. I don't understand it. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of bad in that area. But again, if we can give people a little bit of clarity, maybe they can understand. But more often than not, well, I shouldn't say more often than not. If the opposite happens and they're like, well, I don't care. Like if basically this gets you nowhere, if basically you're like, listen, I can, I can talk to you on Sundays, you know, like that's my day when I shut the computer off and like, I try to catch up with people. Yeah. Let's FaceTime. And they're like, okay, well I need you to like text me in between then. If it's really not working, if they're not hearing you, then I do think you have the right to really pull back. Because then if they're like, why are you pulling back? You can say, because we've had these conversations and you're not, you're not listening to me. And that tells me you don't really respect me. And if you don't respect me, then this friendship, it isn't a friendship because that's balance. This is a one-sided thing. It's, I need this from you. I don't care what you need. And I'm trying to meet your needs. You know, I'm trying to, to be for you as much as I can within the confines of my own boundaries. If you can't meet me in that place, then I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. It's bad writing to have to read on the wall, but it's better that both people are reading. It's better that the writing is on the wall instead of ghosting. And ghosting sucks. It does suck. But when I've done it to people, it's because I feel, I really feel like I tried to get my point across. I feel like I did. Maybe not as overtly as I could have. But then, you know, I think, why should I have to be so overt? Why do I have to be confrontational and look like the bad guy and rehearse what I'm going to say? Why can't they just be a little bit more, not even empathetic, observant? If you have asked someone for something and if they have not given it and told you they're not going to give it either by their actions or their straight up words, girl, you gotta just accept that. And on both sides, on both sides of this debate. But overall, I know that this podcast is titled In Defense of Ghosting. And seriously, if you have communicated your truth to someone and they're just not on the same page, I do think you have every right to ghost. Are they going to like it? No, but you don't like where you're at now either. So if people have ghosted you, do that emotional autopsy. Is there an element of what I'm saying? Like, did you not read the writing on the wall? Are you not picking up hints? And then ask yourself the most important question of all. Why not? Why weren't you? What were you refusing to accept about this situation? Was it, no, 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 they owe me because I went over there and sucked his dick on a Tuesday at 2 a.m. He owes me going to formal with me. Okay, you shouldn't have sucked his dick at 2 a.m. You should not have blown your midterm so that you could go SSD. Okay, that's data. That's fine. That's data. You now know something. And you're going to learn better. And so you're going to do better. And therefore, when you can learn from it, you free yourself of that resentment. Because it's not just a sad story with a shitty end. It's a shitty chapter in an overall larger story that's about growth and leveling up and being smarter and wiser. Okay, so now I know if I have a priority, like studying for my midterm, nobody comes in between that. And any guy who's going to try to make me downshift my priorities and put him above it is not someone I want to deal with. So I'm sure as hell not going to go over and suck his dick. Like we're not going to do that. My priorities are set in stone and nobody is going to get in between it because now I know, now I have the data that if I do that, I just feel terrible. And <laughs> I think I'm doing this, oh, to keep him around. No, it's the opposite. It's the opposite because now I come to the interaction with this sense of entitlement, with this moral 
overdraft fee, right? Basically, like emotionally, I'm overdrawn. So he's got to make up the difference. He's got to, you owe me something. And he finds that repellent. He didn't know that you, you know, coming over and sucking his dick was like that catastrophic. You did it willingly. I mean, he wasn't like badgering you into it. So why suddenly is this something he like owes you, you know, really hardcore for? We have to be responsible for this kind of stuff. We cannot put ourselves in these emotional deficits. As we just said, it just doesn't work out well. No matter what, the psyche will be heard and say, I didn't enjoy doing that. And now let's ruin some relationships. Let's ruin some friendships. Let's fuck over the situation. Let's just do it. So if we can be a little bit more honest about things like that, and on the flip side, be honest about what we're capable of giving as friends. And if situations change that have nothing to do with the friend, like, hey, this new job is way more stressful than I thought. So I'm just not going to be able to meet up for yoga for the next few weeks. I would love to text. I hope that's okay. This is a season. Say those words. This is a season. Seasons change. Not on the timeline you want, but they do. And see how the person takes it. Again, if they take it poorly, okay, hey, that's your data that this person doesn't actually want a fair and balanced friendship. They want to take a takeship where they just take and really don't give a fuck about what you need. That isn't someone to reserve room in your life for because when you actually need something, they're clearly not going to care. That's not part of the contract. I hope this has been helpful for you guys. I hope, actually, I hope it isn't. I hope none of you are in this situation. I hope nobody is dealing with ghosty friends. I hope no one on the flip side is feeling put upon by friends who need more from you than you're capable of giving. But like I said, things are seasonal. Feelings are seasonal. Even friendships are. The road, though, is so long. Friends I made when I was 22 and kind of lost sight of when I was like 26, you really do come back together if, if you can create that elasticity and not have the bridges you burn light the way and give each other space to adapt and experience their own seasons and let them know, hey, girl, I love you. I'm going to be here for you. But honestly, I have needs maybe you can't meet. I'm going to go make more friends, but you're always a rider. I love you. That will free up so much stress on your friendship. It will really take the pressure off and ironically, keep the friendship going longer. Like I said, if you need more help on this, go to my website, shallonlester.com and click submit a question or click it down in the show notes. And if this podcast was helpful for you, I would really appreciate you paying it forward and donating even five or $10 to our Kids Saving the Rainforest fundraiser. It's a 501c vetted charity, really great organization. And you know what? We'll see you later, Shalligators. See you next week. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Thank you.